as a business leader, uh, I think very often people overlook the importance of being able to join the dots. And if you can do that, if you can see trends, uh, whether you're just starting out and starting a new business or in a business that needs to change and needs to innovate, if you can join those dots and um, be really active to look for them, they could be really minor, that's what's going to make you successful. A lot of that's actually culture and as well. And the pandemic actually, um, even in our business, even though we try to, to mitigate that, I definitely had a sense when people weren't in the office, they became that sort of more solid mentality. And so one of the most important things for me is what I call one team. We are one team. Our clients see us as one team. And so it's about making sure that we've got each other's back across the, the whole organization. If something's not working, it's not about blaming another department. How can we work together? Culture is not something that just happens. In fact, it's easy to go south quickly. Uh, so it's about hiring the right people um, and celebrating the things that, the behaviors and, and the things that are important. Uh, and you probably get a sense, I love working with people who are ambitious to, to get on and learn. Uh, and if I can bring more entrepreneurs into the world uh, as well, I think that our economy could definitely um, do well out of that. Uh, and I, I'll be doing what I can to, to lobby the government to support entrepreneurs with helping them establish their businesses and getting more people into work and following their purpose. Welcome to the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picturebook Films. Here, we're going to be talking to entrepreneurs and business owners from across Sussex, delving into the mindsets of what makes them really tick. Okay, welcome to another episode of the County Business Talks podcast. Um, my guest on the podcast this week was recently part of our Sussex Business Times International Women's Day special cover feature. She was shortlisted Women of the Year category in the Women in IT National Awards in 2021. I'm delighted to welcome the CEO of Cloud9 Insight, Carleen Jackson. Carleen, how are you? Oh, excited to be here. As, and this studio is just, isn't this amazing? It's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. It's my happy place. I can't lie. I love it here. So, yeah, very cool. But listen, great to have you on. Um, great to have you, obviously, as part of the, the SBT feature. Um, and I know we chatted on that day, and I was so keen to get you on and have a chat. So, look, we're going to delve straight in, as we always do. Just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your business journey, where it all started. Yeah, for sure. So I'm the CEO and founder of Cloud9 Insight. And so we're a Microsoft cloud business. And what we do is we work with SMEs across many different sectors to help them when they want to digitally transform. And I guess especially during the pandemic, that's been a really important strategy for many organizations to become more efficient if people are homeworking, to be able to enable that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a really exciting place with uh, new developments all the time and, and innovation is really important as yeah. part of those businesses. Yeah, sure. So, where, where, so you started the business back, what, 2010? 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. so I'd, I'd worked at uh, Sage before starting the business and yeah. they were going through their own cloud transformation. Sure. And uh, I'm actually a, a mad skier. I'm a, um, a qualified ski instructor. And okay. I thought, wouldn't it be great to live somewhere that you could ski at weekends yeah. uh, without jumping on a plane? And wouldn't it be great for my, my kids were then six and nine. Wouldn't it be great if they spoke of another language? I didn't actually mind what language it was because in my career I've met so many people who um, who are foreign sort of national uh, language speakers, but their English is just probably better than ours. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, wow, how did they do that? And I think um, 
that in their in their industry in their industry that they've needed to speak English. So I thought, do you know what? I'd love for my kids to speak another language. So we went out to a few places, including France, and I moved over there and just set up the business, and then uh, packed up my house and moved out to France to the Alps, actually in wow. Annecy. And uh, coincidentally, actually, there was another family from my kids' school who moved to exactly the same spot at the same time. So mm. the secret's out. Annecy's a great place to, <laughs> to head out. But that's when I started the business. And I had on my LinkedIn at the time, I was living the cloud dream. Uh, I had mm. a, a Vonage phone system. So people dialed a Brighton number and they didn't know where I was in the world. I could have been on a, on a beach in Barbados or anywhere. Yeah. And uh, so I, I used to sort of look at the BBC weather in the morning because you know what British people do talk about the weather so much and I realized that I was they, yeah so I, I always that was the first thing I did in the morning I was like what's the weather like in Brighton because I know I'm going to be asked <laughs> as a small chit chat and uh, so yeah so I, I, I lived out there and, and um, occasionally I, I let clients in on the secret that yeah I was living the cloud dream living in the mountainsides uh, and then after four years I came back as a business was starting to grow and when you're hiring people and at growing you really need to be there um, and maybe that was a practice for the pandemic actually yeah. um, but it's been great being back and um, getting the team growing the team and uh, we've been investing a lot of uh, new talent as well mm. uh, not just experienced talent and and that's been hugely rewarding and and it gives me a lot of the energy that I have working yeah. with them because they they've just got so much passion and zest for life as well yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing so what from, from, so you started to, had you known from sort of a young age that you wanted to run your own business? Was that something in your mindset that you go, oh, I'm going to do that one day? Or what, how did it come about? That's a great question. Um, I wouldn't say that in my early childhood I knew what I wanted to do, actually. Yeah. And I, do, I think that it's amazing. I think that role models in your life uh, do play a huge part. Yeah. And that's why I also think mentor, having mentors is, is great too. Yeah. Uh, people that can believe in you, but as a kid, I'm I'm actually a, a, a summer child, uh, which isn't so good yeah. <laughs> at school. Uh, yeah. You're if you're nearly a year younger than your peers, but I'm also dyslexic, although I didn't actually really know that at school. And so I always thought, oh, I wish I was. I wish I found doing my times tables and my spellings as easy as everyone else. So, um, but what I really threw myself into was music and uh, sports, and yeah. so. Uh, I just like having fun and trying new things and um, I think maybe doing sports also gives you a competitive edge perhaps yeah, that's good absolutely. for business Absolutely. Uh, so it wasn't until later on in life but for a lot of my you could say my um, in my 20s and early 30s I thought that to be an entrepreneur you had to invent something you had yeah. to invent a product so I was always searching what's that invention and, you know, one of the best days of my life was when my brother said, you don't have to invent anything to start your own business. You just have to uh, do something that somebody's doing already, but do it better. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that that's a really good idea. And so that's what got me on the on the path of, um, to start my own business. And mm -hmm. I've always been since I was in my early 20s, I've been in the tech space. I worked at IBM uh, working with uh, CRM, sort of sales and marketing yeah, technology. Sure. And that's what I know well, and uh, so yeah, so it was quite easy actually. Yeah, mate, it's great, isn't it? Because I, I, I love asking that question because it's, it's some people that do they sort of you know they've had that story from a young age, they you know, selling sweets in the at a school playground or something like that. So I had that entrepreneur, and I, I always relate. I always look back at 
motto and entrepreneurship is really encouraged now isn't it you go into schools and uh, you know they do programs and they're, they're, there's lots of things set up for that to really encourage entrepreneurship but and it wasn't but when I go back what, 25 years when I was leaving school similar, I didn't become a footballer so I didn't have a clue what I was going to do so I was like oh. and you, but this wasn't encouraged and I think had it been I wonder whether I'd started my path on, in business maybe maybe slightly earlier so it's always interesting to find out where, where, where people do on that so you you've um, I, I want to talk about um, going into work. You say about working in the in the tech space as a woman. So talk to me about some of. Has there been some challenges in that? Because I know in in the article you talk about sort of gender equality and stuff like that. So I'm keen to uh, what sort of challenges over the years starting your own business within that tech space have, have you found um, within that? Yeah, I guess I have actually have a 19 year old daughter, and I think that's made me become more. Maybe you could say protective um, and aware of the sort of the things that are happening in our industry and how they might be stopping the gender diversity that we need. And I know I tried really hard because uh, we're short of talent in, in tech to, yeah. to convince my my clever daughter. I said, hey, come and work in tech. She cares passionately about sustainability and climate change and things like that. And I said, if you use your passion for those things and understood technology, you could really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but no, she wasn't having any of it. She's not going into tech. And I was starting to ask myself, well, maybe there's no wonder there's no gender diversity in our in our industry. What's happening? And I think that probably starts uh, in terms of the role models. Mm-hmm. As if there's not enough senior people in those roles, maybe there's yeah. no one to look up to. But maybe it starts at school where... Um, tech is considered uh, a gender sort of bias subject and um, I think there are many reasons why in the UK because it's definitely not the case and say if you look in Poland um, there's a a much much better gender diversity in people studying IT at university Um, so from a sort of recruitment perspective it's hugely frustrating because Mm -hmm. I think that Having, um, I think having more female leaders in the workplace, um, whatever the industry, I think is a great thing because uh, what's often seen is that those those guys who are in touch with their feminine side or whether it's the female leaders, there's likely to be a lot more empathy and focus on people and culture. Yeah. Uh, and I think that often what I see in here is um, it's, it's really uh, not a good idea to generalize, but often the focus might be more on shareholder value or profits or buying or selling companies and definitely more a testosterone-driven environment. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's great to have a balance and to ha- encourage more females into the workplace, make it easier for them to continue working if they if they do stop to have a family, make it easier for them to get back into the, to the career and follow their ambition uh, because females, in my view, make fantastic leaders. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, it was great obviously doing the SBT feature and having so many inspirational women and, and hearing their different stories and different takes and then I, I, I've interviewed a couple of people since as well and I, I think it, it, it's a, a couple of people have mentioned about the role models and the lack of, unfortunately the lack of role models at senior level and I know I think I've, I've read about um, in, in your article you said about uh, uh, Cloud9 is like 41% of in yours which is compared to you know nationally or, or elsewhere is like fifth or something like that, isn't yeah. it? Of that, which, is, which is crazy. And you know what's really nice is people do ask me sometimes, like, how did you do that? And I don't think I've done anything different mm-hmm. except keep an open mind. Um, but maybe because I'm a female leader, I've found it easier to attract yeah. the talent. Uh, but I do think you need to sort of 
be really creative when you're going through your hiring process to make sure that you're what what is your approach what what do your adverts look like um sort of what is your workplace like yeah. uh, because maybe if you're um too sort of strict about i don't know you have to have this experience or whatever apparently I've heard that females are less inclined to apply for a job where it says you need this and you need this, whereas a guy might go, oh, how difficult could it be? I might just oh, apply yeah, anyway, yeah. you never yeah, know. Yeah, 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 and sure. I think that's a great attitude. And I think that women uh, need to step outside um, their comfort zone and realize their male counterparts are the ones asking for the pay rise, their male ca- mm-hmm. counterparts are the ones applying for jobs that they're not, in no way qualified for. Uh, and I'm sure they are succeeding in everything they're doing. And I think it's just a, a mindset sometimes that you I encourage any female to sort of uh, to just go out there and do what you want. Yeah, oh, I agree. I love, I love it. It's going to be interesting because I, I, I definitely I want to delve into culture a little bit in, in, in a while. Um, but just as we're talking a little bit about challenges, I want to as, as running businesses, you know, it, that's a challenge in itself. Um, you know, we, there's lots of ups and downs that, you know, pandemic come in and, you know, hurt a lot of business. I'm assuming obviously it was probably potentially the opposite with you, with you guys during the pandemic with um, obviously with tech, I guess, moving, you know, probably five years ahead, 10 years, you know, it brought everything forward because it was, it's interesting to hear your first saying like, you know, I wanted to start this cloud thing, which has been going on for a long time, but you was, forward thinking and so many people had you know businesses you know archaic way of looking at things knowing that actually we can work in a much different way and I think that's interesting so I just wanted to talk to me though over the last sort of 12 years talk to me about some of challenges maybe some failures along the way and and what that sort of looks like running a business and um, how you sort of what's your relationship like with failure talk talk to me about that yeah actually before I do I also want to pick up on a really important point that you made which was um, as a business leader, uh, I think very often people overlook the importance of being able to join the dots. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, if you can see trends, uh, whether you're just starting out and starting a new business mm-hmm. or in a business that needs to change and needs to innovate, if you can join those dots and um, be really active to look for them, they could be really minor. That's what's going to make you successful yeah, yeah. because be connected with your team, with your customers, with the marketplace, and you'll be able to spot trends. You'll be ahead of the curve. And that's yeah. that first mover advantage can can really help. And, and sometimes the cheese can be moved without you even realizing. Yeah, uh, sure. And that's really important. And so as a, as a business, one thing that I've tried really, really hard to do is that it, in the projects that we do with our clients, it's um, implementing technology to, to often to bring together silos of departments like sales and marketing, and yeah. they've got their own sort of data and they don't share it with other parts of maybe the service uh, data. And so you end up with these pockets of, of silos of data and even culture mm. within, within a business. And so I've literally been in client meetings where they've pointed up sort of upstairs that department over there and then they pointed another direction and that department down there and you really get a sense they're on in different floors in different places they don't work together maybe even in different locations mm. and that sort of sense of silo can really be destructive I think for a, for a business and so a lot of the work that we do is to try to build back those silos and mm. and a lot some of that some of that could be technology but you know what a lot of that's actually culture and as mm. well 
Um, the pandemic, actually, um, even in our business, even though we try to to mitigate that, I definitely had a sense when people weren't in the office, they became that sort of more siloed mentality. Mm. And so one of the most important things for me is what I call one team. We are one team. Yeah. Clients see us as one team. And so it's about making sure that we've got each other's back across the, the whole organization. If something's not working, it's not about blaming another department. Yeah. How can we work together? And so one of the ways that we've done that is to have a new layer of uh, leadership, which we're calling emerging emerging leaders. And it's taking people uh, from the business uh, who have ambition to work into leadership, move into leadership roles who are, you could say, operating at a more operational day-to-day uh, role rather than strategic. And to you could say, force them together. Hey, one of you from each of the departments, you need to work together and come together to solve some of the challenges that the business faces as a business rather than in silo. Um, And that's been fantastic. I think it's been probably been great for them as well as they get to sort of be more strategically thinking beyond the boundaries of their department and their role. Uh, And that's, um, that's been very important for our business. That's really, and like I say, we'll, we'll, Talking about culture, for me, it's something I, I find fascinating as a subject. Uh, you know, in a previous lifetime, it seems now, but when it, what brought me to Brighton, I used to run a hair salon. Um, and I, fe- I, I, I went in not being a hairdresser and got the, got the culture completely wrong. I went in what I felt a leader should be. Um, my first business, I was like, yeah, but I, you know, I'm quite a happy-go-lucky, you know, I'd like to think of myself a reasonably nice person and I went in with this really serious age and I felt like I had to be a boss and not a leader and I've got the coach so I always talk about it and it's fascinating to hear about how you're structuring that and I think something I, I want to take from what you, you mentioned about again with the gender um, leadership with, with women being gender is that I think that potentially soft skills, empathy, it becomes more of a people culture. And ultimately, to create a great culture, you've got to have great people and people that believe in what you're all doing and have got a shared vision. And it's interesting to see how you've you've created that within that within that organisation through through that through that aspect of it. So, because I'm as we're on that subject, I wanted to. Like, I know you obviously you, you champion apprenticeships and and you're really keen to support. You know, um, give people opportunities from the, and and create opportunities within the tech space certainly for for younger people talk to me a little bit about that where that passion for and that that comes from yeah where does that come from that's easy to answer actually so early in my career um i went to the farnborough air show actually um i had um my boyfriend who's now my husband was uh, a training commercial pilot and I've always had an interest in aviation anyway. Okay. Um, in fact, I used to go to Shoreham Airport when I was 16 <laughs> yeah. and watch the planes take off. Uh, see, I, should have, I was destined to work in a male-dominated environment. Yeah. But, uh, and so I went to the Farnborough Air Show and there happened to be a, a sort of a stand there which was a setup of air traffic control. And I thought, wow, I'm, a, I'm an adrenaline junkie. This looks, it looks like this <laughs> studio, actually. Maybe that's why I love the studio. But it's uh, just full of tech and all these lights and switches. And it was really exciting. And, and I thought, wow, this looks amazing. And then I started to look into it as a 
potential career. And I went on to get uh, an AFISO, which is an assistant air traffic control qualification. And I worked at uh, Kidnington Airport in Oxford in the weekends just to help me with my sort of learning. And I just loved it. And uh, I I had already fallen into the tech sector, but I did this as a sort of hobby. And I thought, wow, this would be an amazing career. Everyone I met met was really passionate about it. So I basically um, applied to the CAA. However, I didn't actually... Um, get in and they I passed all the IQ tests but they introduced a new one for telling you left and your right um, but because I had planned to go and work in air traffic control I, I sort of set off at 18 I was thinking yeah this is what I want to do mm. you don't need a degree to work in air traffic control and so I basically um, followed this route um, and so but then they said to me you, well you, your left and your right wasn't quite good enough can you come back next year and that's when I had to admit to myself wow this is people's lives if you tell the plane to to turn a the direction that's sort of the wrong direction then um that's that's life or death yeah, and so yeah, sure. maybe really sort of think about what did I what what did I want to do with my career and I, I loved the sort of the energy um that there is in tech it's a sort of it's a very fast-paced environment if you want yeah, a, sure. a laid-back job i definitely don't go into tech but if you, <laughs> yeah. if you like to, if you like a place where five o'clock comes very quickly uh i encourage anyone to, to work in tech you always have to be on your feet there's so much to learn and what i realized also about tech is that whatever they teach you in uni anyway will probably be out of date quickly yeah. uh, and it's the people skills that are really going to serve you well yeah. and so and and uh, Many employers, um, I went on to, to work for IBM, many employers hugely invest in in talent uh, in the tech sector because you do need to, to keep up to date with your, with your qualifications and skills and mm. so much innovation in tech. And so I realized I didn't need to, to, to go to, to uni. And so, but I also realized that, you know, just because whether you don't have a degree or you you do it doesn't actually distinguish and I've seen that in in my business as well mm. um, and often in fact apprentices I believe actually can make even better hires than graduates because yeah. the graduates can often feel entitled they, they I've met some um, business owners recently who would say typically many graduates might they expect them to leave within 18 months of joining so if you're making a huge investment for somebody it's their first job yeah. who isn't quite settled or doesn't know um it's a bit like trying to buy a house if you if you just see the first house you might go well i'm sure there's a better house uh, so it's good to see a few houses yeah, and that's yeah, probably yeah. the mentality of these graduates so what i found with a lot of the apprentices of hard they've tended to stay with me three years or more so it's wow. it's a better investment yeah, you yeah, could yeah. say and the their their skills coming into the business are identical, um, and they're so. I think that actually a hiring apprentices is a great thing to do, and what mm. employers need to do is to look at what are the careers um, that you could have in your business, and where, what's the starting ladder rung yeah. in the ladder of that career, and is there an opportunity to to take on somebody junior who has that energy and drive, um, and I think that in the coming years there's going to be more and more kids out there who a understand that there is alternatives to going to uni and that and often even bright like really bright kids who could have got into anywhere they any uni they wanted to yeah. um realizing well do i really want 60 grand of debt yeah. um and i've got a 17 year old and he is so hungry to set up his own business uh i don't know if he'd stick at uni for three years That's and bad. then have all the debt so i'm um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to certainly be encouraging him to look at apprenticeships uh, and sort of think about the skills that he wants to learn. And he can get a degree at the end of that uh, and that will serve him well. But I was very lucky. I went into 
Um, I was sponsored by my employer to go to the Open University and do an MBA with them. And through that journey of working alongside um, most uh, most of the other kids, actually didn't have an undergraduate degree either. Uh, But we all learned from each other. And what I also learned was about their experience in business and in different industries. And and that's served me well, in addition to the, the amazing training that IBM gave me. Usually it was yeah. like how not to mess it up and be sued. <laughs> yeah. But that, you know what, when you're running a business, actually, that, that sort of training that, is quite that, good, that helps, actually. That helps. <laughs> yeah, that's important. But also, I think for me, what I've learned is that, yeah, just working with this these younger people, um, they're easy to mold as well. Yeah. Um, and it's immensely rewarding because I've been able to create new leadership roles and responsibilities for more senior experienced people, yeah. which is is a great retention strategy too because imagine if, you've, if you're in that sort of uh, stage of your career where you think, what next? Maybe it's about being a manager. Yeah. Well, if you've got nobody coming in below you, then, then you won't have that ex- sort of opportunity. Yeah, uh, sure. And you learn a lot about yourself when you're trying to mentor or coach or lead somebody else. Mm. Um, it can really help you externalize um, and make conscious what are the very things that you do that probably make you successful. And I think that's a really healthy um, process to go through. So if you haven't hired apprentices, then yeah, that's, it's an amazing thing. It's it's brilliant that you encourage, I'm I'm really keen to just tap into, as you mentioned about a little bit around sort of education and what, what, um, I, I never went to university, and I, my, my wife did. She wanted to be a solicitor, so she had that direction. That's what she wanted to do. And and I think I'm I'm similar. Like I've got twins; they're seven now, so a while off going to university. But I, I think to myself, unless they actually come to me with look, Dad, I want to be a solicitor. I want to be a professional. I've got to go in and get a degree in that. Then there's so many other opportunities, and I think more employers that are encouraging apprenticeship come on board and learn and because there's so much more you can learn within the job as opposed to um, and I'm not obviously bad mouthing the education because it is it's incredible of course I, I, I'm, I, I love learning and I'll still I'll obviously promote education but I do think potentially the education system the way it runs at the moment is slightly broken maybe in the sense that that's not everyone learns in in, in that way so we need to encourage things slightly or look at things slightly differently. And yeah. I love the fact that you mentioned about your um, like your son thinking about one of my own business and which obviously inspired, I guess, by you and, and seeing you run your own, which must be... Because I always say, so I'd love it if they come to me with an idea. Oh, I want to maybe do this and I'd be more inclined <laughs> to, to promote as tough as it can be running a business. But, I, I, yeah, I'm just waiting. He's, he's in his first year of sixth form at the minute, yeah. so I'm waiting for the moment he comes home from school going mom I'm being forced to to do my personal statement and apply to uni and I'm like yeah what are you going to tell the teachers about that (laughs) Um, and I I don't I think that most parents it often they expect the sort of our society is set up that you're going to go to school do well at your GCSEs do do well at your A-levels go to uni find a wife or a husband uh, settle down get married and 
repeat and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um i'm probably a bit disruptive uh, in everything i do and so yeah i'm sure my, my husband probably wouldn't agree and i know he won't be listening to this probably yeah. but I, I would just encourage my kids to think about their um their happiness and Absolutely. their purpose in life and you know you'll find yourself uh, yeah. eventually and and if you don't know what you want to do early on why why force yourself to go yeah. into education early on because so many people do go to university later on in life when they realize what it is they need to and want to do yeah. go and have fun go and travel, travel yeah, uh, exactly. and um go and go and work in a, in a workplace where the culture is is somewhere uh that you find exciting mm. and, and interests you maybe their mission of what they're trying to do is aligned with what you're doing and that's so much more important than uh, i think than earning money because if you can really prove that you're an asset to the business you will get the promotions just take the most junior mm. job there is in a in a company or in, in an industry uh, and I'm sure you'll fly if you have the passion and power, which will definitely come across. Uh, yeah. There'll be no no chance except to succeed really well to smash it. Yeah, I love that. And I think there's again, what's interesting there is more about. And I, I wonder if I do feel that the narrative changing slightly, um, but that it's not so much about uh, about financial gain is more about purpose what's my purpose in the world what do I want to do what do I want to achieve on that because it's still it's still in my opinion it's still quite a strong narrative out there that success is based on financial gain and I, I don't necessarily buy into that as much I think that you know where certainly as business owners sometimes you go oh, you're searching for this goal or this thing you're going to attain but it's financial based and that that's not necessarily where success lies. It's more about what am I, what am I doing? Am I doing stuff on a daily basis that maybe makes it different, or I, I feel fulfilled, and that's got to be more important than. A hundred percent. My mum always told me, um, which as a young child, she said, "Don't worry, uh, the difference between young and sorry, rich and uh, poor people is rich people have more debt." Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's just it's just quite pleasing but yeah. I live by something I've only recently in recent years come across by the abundance theory and uh, if you're uh, if, if you're not um, aware of that it, it's uh, it's the opposite of scarcity theory but abundance theory is really where it's you don't focus on money it's about think, focusing on um, what you can have and that just because somebody else has it doesn't mean you can't have it in fact they should be an inspiration for you and I think it's a really healthy thing to more focus on your goals and your vision and ensure that money isn't a part of that mm. and it's certainly how I live my life day to day and focus on the day-to-day -day things that really matter and mm. often that's your sort of your your health and and your happiness uh, and the money will come because frankly no matter how much you make um, it's never enough anyway yeah. so your your standards or your debts will always adjust um, so it's really I think it's much more important to focus on what is it that's important to you and go out and achieve that and surround yourself with people who have a belief in you and a positive energy because uh, there's nothing worse than somebody who's a, a sort of a drain on your battery. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. And so it's it's I think surrounding mood hoovers, I call them mood, mood hoovers. Yeah, <laughs> I've also heard another one was a mood shadow, and yeah. um, and it's sometimes you just need to step back and recognise that that's actually happening in your life. But yeah, sure. I've been very lucky. I have many people who've um, believed in me at my time at IBM and and other mentors around me, including my brother. And it's so important to have people around you in the workplace and in your family and social life who are very encouraging of your sometimes what might feel crazy, crazy ideas yeah. of like one day I'd like to settle down and do this or 
whatever it is, it's not crazy. Um, yeah. Live your dreams. I absolutely love that and, and echo it as well. I'm, I'm a, if there's one thing I try and teach the kids is exactly that. Just look, go and you know believe in yourself and dream big. And because any if you believe in yourself, anything's possible, isn't it? it, it ultimately, that's what, that's what I think. Right? So talk to me then. That's, that leads us nice. So talk, talk to me a little bit about what was over your career. What, tell me about maybe your greatest achievement um, and what talk to me about what does success look like to you. Tell, tell, Success. Uh, well, you know, as a parent, I've actually got three kids. I've got a, an eight-year-old and um, a seventeen-year-old son, and a nineteen-year-old daughter. A lot of what I've done is, especially in recent years, is about being a role model for them mm. and sh- showing them that they don't ever have to be an employee if they don't want to. They can, in this world, like look at all the YouTubers and influencers, yeah. and um, that. I think that's definitely been front of mind and. Uh, a motivator for me is being a role model uh, for for my kids, uh, and I'm just hugely uh, proud of of all that they achieve and their their you could say their happiness yeah. and what they what they do and their courage to to do what they do and, and try new things. Um, so that's uh, being able to balance um, being an entrepreneur, business owner, and a mom. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, and I, I pretty much run a farm. It feels like as well. I've got two dogs and two cats <laughs> and seven chickens. So, wow. <laughs> uh, and I, my husband's an airline commercial airline pilot, and he's often away. So, trying to balance all of that. Um, people tell me all of the time I must be a superwoman, and I, I stand back and I think, yeah, how, how does that work? Um, but you know what? I think you have to be really honest about your, uh, where you you have weaknesses and um, where you need support. And I just yeah. instead of failing, just be honest with people and say, do you know what, um, I can't do it all and uh, learn to delegate or ask for help and bring in the help that you need. And uh, there's an, a woman in Brighton, um, Hannah Smith. Uh, she's one of the most amazing women. I've, I don't know if you know her. Uh, she's one of the most amazing women I've ever met. And she, early on in my business, I, there was five employees and she came into my business. She said, wow, Carly. Uh, she didn't say wow in a good way. It was like, wow, Carlene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you're uh, you're the office manager, you're doing the finance, you're doing the sales, you're doing like literally, you're doing everything. Yeah. And she was not impressed. She was like, Carlene, that's not a way to scale your business. And one of the best, and I didn't really look at it like that. I was like, yeah, I'm superwoman, I can do it all. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and probably one of the best things that ever happened was for her to come into my business and, and for her, and uh, she's a, a, a very strategic H. HR um, director, uh, or people call it a talent director. And so she basically uh, came in and, and gave me the roadmap of like, to grow your business, right, you need to hire an office manager, somebody looking after your finance, and, and just really trying to sort of sort of succinctly distill what is my talent, what's yeah. my role. Yeah. And it was, it was, of course it was obvious, but it wasn't really obvious to me, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, sure, But it sure. was just to sort of, to allow myself to let go of all the things that I felt were my core strengths, but actually in order to... Did you to find that difficult to let go of stuff? Um, of course, yeah, I think I'm... Because I we wear so many hats as, as entrepreneurs, business owners, you go, oh, you do, like you say, you do almost do every role, which is good to think, but like you said, that's not a scalable no. business, is it? So, you know. No, I'd, I'd also, I, I adore working with customers and the client-facing side, and, mm. and sometimes when you sort of move into that helicopter and, and growing your business, you might become less sort of 
uh, sort of more detached, you could say, from from your customers or partners. Mm. And I adore um, hearing about their business and uh, working with our partners. Um, so yeah, it's it was very it is it is a very difficult thing, and also for for many people learning to delegate. I must confess, I found that easier than I thought actually. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'm I'm glad though, uh, yeah. but I think I'm surrounded by a phenomenal team who it's it's almost like they they have this safety net of knowing me and and what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at, and yeah. we all rally around to create. I, I would guess I'd call it a high performance team. So it's about yeah. people's strengths and um, minimizing their imperfections which we all have and as a dyslexic person probably one of my worst traits is I love to spin a thousand plates maybe two thousand and <laughs> so everyone around me is just going oh my god Carlene like what did you agree to this for like we're just a bit busy right now and uh, there's there's even an expression in my business of being Carlene which is I'm so highly creative um, that I just always coming up with ideas of how we could be better at something and um, I'm very energized yeah. by that in the business, but I think you do need to be grounded by people um, in your business that can uh, execute on those creative ideas as well. Yeah. It's not enough to just have the idea. So yeah, just building a great team around you um, and being your authentic self so that people can um, bring their strengths to play. Yeah. Because I think as a senior person, it might be intimidating for some people. They think, well, I, why should my voice be more important than yours or whatever? And I think yeah. luckily in our society in the UK, I think hierarchy is less important yeah, yeah. and it's your ideas. Uh, and certainly the younger generation don't wait to be asked for their ideas. Yeah, from what sure. I can see, they're like, yeah. they're there right with them. And as whereas in other cultures, I've worked with uh, some Japanese businesses and uh, I've worked with a Danish telco um, as a, they were my clients. And I think that in different societies, there's different sort of ways of working. And I think we should embrace this and celebrate the our society for the fact that m- maybe your title isn't so important. Yeah. I lo- and again, it leads us back to, to, to culture, doesn't it? And creating that culture and allowing... and. You, because you want to create a culture where you know a junior member of staff can approach the CEO with an idea and and that it's encouraged for them to do that and if that idea that what's again touching on I guess the the element of failure and mistakes and stuff like that do do, do you still encourage like your kids and and even staff members that it's okay then to make mistakes to look at that it's what we learn from those is that yeah probably maybe the first thing is not to call it a mistake yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> it's, sure. uh, i think i believe that everything uh yeah. can be improved yeah, yeah and i think um you have to have a good mindset around that though because you need to um to be easily coached because if imagine if you're i don't know a young footballer learning to sort of to make their way in professional football yeah, yeah, yeah. and the coach says i think you need to do it this way or whatever but the footballer either doesn't listen or just gets defensive. But I couldn't do it because of Laura. Yeah. Well, that doesn't really work. So you have to create um, an environment where the management style is coaching and where those who are receiving the feedback um, say yes and. And I, um, years ago, I actually did improvised comedy in Brighton with the, with the, with the May Day. Uh, a lot of the people from the May Days, which if you ever get a chance to see, I highly recommend. Yeah. And one of the great things about improvised comedy uh, which we can learn in business is they, they have this whole technique which is yes and. And so people are going to come to you with, with things and uh, say things to you that you don't necessarily agree with or 
sort of like, where did that come from? And so it's really important to silently or uh, to say in your head, yes, and and mm. to build on whatever it is. And so I encourage everyone to um, follow what's called a learning organization culture, which is where and the learning isn't just for the individual, but the learning is for the business. And therefore, uh, use every opportunity to almost have free consulting to improve what you're doing. So at the end of, for example, projects, we have a sort of uh, a, a review with not only with the client, but also internally. What did we learn from that? How do our processes need to change and improve? Um, and to make sure that people's names or individuals are not brought into it. It's, for me, I would say that it's about the process uh, or maybe the skills. Maybe they didn't have the skills, yeah. but it's not people's fault. And if you can create a trusting culture like that, then uh, learning is much easier because otherwise people hide stuff. And that's yeah. a that's a disaster because you're not going to progress as a business. So you really have to work harder. That it doesn't happen easily. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's, yeah. It's, it, um, again, uh, what, what, what strikes me is the, the level of, I guess, communication, which is so key, I guess, in everything we do in business from, like you say, speaking to clients, speaking to staff. But strikes me as your level of communication with all of them and sharing that the vision that you've got for the business and and incorporating that that helps to build that culture surely in that sense yeah one one of the things i did recently was um we're a business of about 40 uh, odd employees so still quite small you could say and many years ago somebody said oh you won't need a uh, an HR person until you're about 100 people and I thought oh that's a shame because mm-hmm. you know two of my favorite subjects is one is marketing yeah. um, maybe I, why I'm excited to be here with you yeah. uh, in this room yeah. in this <laughs> podcast but one is marketing and then the other is anything to do with sort of talent or employee engagement and culture mm-hmm. um, they're my two favorite things uh, and one of the things I did uh, recently was I promoted um, a lady in my business who was my EA. Uh, she used to work actually at Virgin. I promoted her into the role of engagement, as an employee engagement manager. Mm. And um, that's how important sort of culture is for me. And I knew, I knew that she understands uh, what my vision is for the culture of the business. And, and I think that that starts actually from the adverts you put out, even yeah. about your business. What does that say about your business? Are you attracting the right people? Yeah. Uh, and then the first step of our recruitment process is having a cultural interview, which is very short, but you know straight away. If someone very, does, yeah. yeah, if they're going to fit in. Because for me, what I'm looking for is those people who, A, have an ambition to learn um, and put themselves outside their comfort zone, because yeah. that's not everyone's thing. But also importantly, um, those who are going to, sort of if they've climbed up the ladder are going to look back and say who can I help and yeah. and look out for other people as well and that doesn't happen easily in many organizations and, and a few of the graduates that we have hired have said that their peers who've gone on to work in other places don't have relationships with people outside their sort of line management and other people aren't there to help them uh, and so they've recognized easily that actually having a culture where you can ask anyone for help and they've got the time to do that um, mm. is so important. And some culture is not something that just happens. In fact, yeah. it's easy to go south quickly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's about hiring the right people um, and celebrating the things that the behaviors and, and the things that are important. Yeah. And I guess and back to, to hiring the right people as well, what I think and just sort of taking out from what you've said over, uh, over the, the interviews that, 
it's not necessarily like you say based on hiring someone not based on their qualifications it's more about that people you're hiring that person if they buy into the culture and they fit into that then that that's the right hire not someone that and again circles us back to the education side of things it's not and i think i'm hoping that more more companies do look at things like that as opposed to i you know i I worked in London in my early 20s and there was the company I worked for, I would only, you know, I was in the admin team, but the, the sort of people that they actually hired were only from Oxford or Cambridge. You had to get a degree from Oxford. I was like, but these people would come in, like you say, academically very intelligent, but lack of common sense potentially within them. So again, back to my kids and stuff like that and people growing up and it's so so important that you're hiring that person based on them because that that skill set if you've got if they're coming into a, a business and that one of their roles is talking to people and they are great at building relationships and being able to do that that's not something you get a GCSE in is it building relationships is not something you get, whereas people don't necessarily then but that's not going to be on your degree so you got to take it in us it's so important to, to to do that and and have an open mind to that i suppose yeah definitely especially in, in the professional services industry mm. it is a people business people are your product yeah, and good. so yeah pick up the phone yeah. <laughs> turn on your camera yeah. uh, it's so important and it is and like you say people ultimately buy from people whatever it is I mean, like I say, what, from running a hair salon to five-a-side football league to running a business publication, all the different businesses, all surrounded by speaking to people and having those conversations. If you can do that, I encourage even team people I work with, just, like you say, just speak to people or have that phone call, have that conversation. It's, yes, it's, it is so important. I think we, we, we touched on a little bit about you, obviously, saying about being a superwoman, spinning lots of plates. Um I'm similar as well. I've been a lot of places. What, what, talk to me a little bit about work-life balance. Then, how does that? Because it's something I really struggle with. Um, do, do, are you able to switch off? Do you talk to me about? Do you have a work-life balance, or how does that, <laughs> what does that look like? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a mean question. Probably not. Actually, uh, I'm a workaholic, self-confessed workaholic. Mm. I love my work, and um, yeah, it's 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 very hard. I'm. What I do is I try to be present in whatever I'm doing at that moment in time, I think, to really focus. Um, apparently, multitasking isn't really a, a real thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's important to recognize that you just when you're with your kids, be with your kids. When you're in work, try to be in work. And yeah. uh, I do think that's a really important thing. But the other thing I would say is there's a, a great speaker I heard years ago, a senior executive at Microsoft, and she had, had achieved loads with her career, so I greatly admired her. And she said, there is no such thing as a sort of work-life uh, balance, it's work-life. Uh, so you just have to, um, it, it, you, they transcend into each other. Mm. And what she said is, if, for example, you want to pick your kids up from school, just say, hey, I'm not going to be here from whatever, four till whatever time. Uh, but don't worry, after my kids are in bed, I'm going to clock back in and I'm going to do the hours. Mm. And it's all about managing expectation, unapologetically living the life that you want to live. And now more and more employers are doing uh, flexi working. And it's something that we're introducing in, in our business because the, there is um, there's one employee that we have and she came to the business uh, a couple of years ago. She was in South Africa. And when I heard, for example, that 
it was I thought it was an hour time difference and I heard it was a two hour time difference so there she was uh, trying to work until say five o'clock hour our time but it was seven o'clock her time and she had like two very young kids and that's what I call the witching hour and I'm like how like that blew my mind how did she she's just a phenomenal woman and how did how did she manage to juggle that sort of whole balance of needing to get her kids to bed but they need her do you know what it's not just about the parents it's about it's about them and I think in our society the more we can be present for our kids and not in our phones and and just really there for them as, Mm. as role models um I think that's that's so important I think more employers should recognize it's not about the parents in my view it's about the next generation of of kids coming through we need to be there uh for them and the more that you can do to sort of um to, to give the opportunity to them but the the advantage for my uh say for my younger team will be so many of them are gym bunnies they call them yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> and uh and I and that's part of their friendship mm. group circle of, of friends it's highly motivating for them uh, probably to be able to look in the mirror and say <laughs> yeah, how yeah. fit they are as well but it's, it's, it's definitely there's so many uh, research projects would evidence that actually being healthy and fit and doing exercises is, is very good for yeah, releasing endorphins anyway and making you happy. So yeah. if you can make it easier for people to get to the gym and to do the things that in their life is work-life balance, whatever that might be, yeah. it can only be a good thing. And yeah. I'm hoping to set the trend on that. So for us, how it's working is uh, employees will be working from uh, core hours from 10 to 4 and then they can choose when they want to make those other hours up. So it could be, I don't know, very early in the morning if they're early risers. It could yeah. be after the kids are in bed if they've got kids. Yeah. Uh, whatever might work for them. And there's there's definitely a few a few people in the business you can tell they struggle in the mornings. They'd yeah. rather probably lie under the duvet a little bit longer. But So why not sort of embrace that yeah. uh, and support people have a better work-life balance? That's amazing. It's, it's cause, and we all, we all do that throughout the day we're more focused I had someone on recently and she said like three o'clock I am that's when my laser focus I will get two hours in and I will be I'll get so much done in them two hours compared to you know in early in the morning like you say like so I've always been a little bit of a night owl but I've tried to just trying to change the way I did did stuff and not working so late at night and trying to be around so you and then you go right I'll start getting up early and and look at what that looks like and just I think it's so important to encourage that within a and I think do you you feel that the pandemic has helped bring that forward a bit the flexible working and work-life balance in that sort of sense a little bit more or oh yeah definitely I think it was a trend anyway but it's as with many trends that they've been accelerated during the pandemic and I think employees are making us more accountable to make sure that the workplace is uh more balanced mm. in expectations and when I did a, a survey in fact just in the last 10 days employee uh, engagement and benefit survey I think it's it's really interesting that people um, do value their free time and so one thing that we've done uh, during a lot of the pandemic is uh, initially we had uh, sort of uh, for those people who've been in the business longer where they um, didn't need to work Wednesday afternoon I said just shut your laptop go out because it just probably would have felt really full on yeah, uh, if you're at home and or especially if you're there was one of my employees he had a, a, a very young kid probably about a year and a half and uh, you know 
probably the mums think, oh, that's fantastic. But if if you're actually there, but it's almost like a chocolate cake that's there, you can't eat. So like, <laughs> like you're, I just wouldn't mind ten minutes. Can you hold the child? I, I can just imagine that happening. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and and it's just a bit cruel that you're you're there, but you're not there. And and so I wanted to sort of make it a bit more balanced. But one thing that we did following that success of that initiative was to um, implement what we call enrichment days. So um, at the current time, so we're looking to, to, to change things around, but at the current time, pe- employees have six uh, additional, what we call uh, enrichment days over the year, and they're to be used sort of independent of holidays, not attached to holidays, where they're sort of planned in advance. So it can't be, oh, the duvet feels heavy today, but yeah. more, I'm going to celebrate uh, this birthday with my friend, or I'm going to go and see this relative, or I'm going to have a long weekend, or I'm going to do something fun yeah. uh, that people can look forward to that isn't taking up their holiday and uh, they are the most valued uh, benefit um, that we offer um, at the moment and so I'm going to sort of set the sort of um, the benchmark higher now and so we're in the process uh, hot off the press so we're in the process (laughs) of uh, working uh, with our with our team to see how we can uh, look to incorporate that sort of nine day fortnight uh, where people have every second Friday off Uh, and as part of that have every um, the other Friday where it will be a strategy um, innovation and learning day and so that day is where we'll be working um, in teams in a more sort of agile way from across the business to work on strategic initiatives that will drive the business forward because you know what if you if you think about sometimes when you're busy it's because you're putting out a fire or you're busy because you don't have quite the skills that you need if, if only you'd slow down to, to learn them. Yeah. Or busy, sort of, um, you're, you, you've almost grown out of your processes or your systems aren't right or the very things that slow you down yeah. if you just pause. Yeah. Uh, so if people can get into this efficient way of working, um, sort of trying to do as much as you can during the four days, uh, they will work half an hour extra a day, but that, that means that as a business, we lose out on three hours every fortnight. Yeah. Um, and over a year, you could say the employees gain approximately nine additional days off. Um, yeah, yeah. But actually, I think that from what the research that I've read, and I've looked into this quite a lot, that um, hopefully the employees' engagement, motivation, efficiency, their ability, I'll be encouraging them to say no to things and the fact that they get to work across this team, building the one team that I want uh, as part of my culture will help them and excite them to learn new things and work with new people uh, in a way that makes their work really fulfilling beyond the day-to-day stuff that they're already doing and and it might even inspire them to go into new things that they hadn't thought of as Mm -hmm. well. What, what, listen to this, it's fascinating to hear that just uh, talking like the culture of, uh, of the company is, is incredible and it seems like your your attention to detail looking into that so much about, like you said, research and, and I wonder how many other CEOs actually spend that much time and, and looking at how they can do that. Probably not as many <laughs> and, and I want, so, but ultimately, like you said, you, to grow a business and scale it and and do the things you you've got to surround yourself with great people and and and, and get those people on board, board to share in that vision. But ultimately, get the again we talk about the work life balance thing to get the best out of them when they're most efficient and by creating these different spaces for them to do that, it enables them to, to for you for ultimately the better of the business, which is what 
what we want, isn't it? Yeah, they say you need to design a business where you're not needed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And on one hand, of course, you always want to be needed. Uh, but that's a very, it's a bit like, I guess, having kids. Sort of one day you hope they'll be able to, to make the bed themselves and yeah. leave home and cook for <laughs> yeah. themselves and all those important things. And it, it's, it's just the same and in yeah. a business. It's really important to invest in uh, succession planning and thinking about the talent. I tend to hire six months ahead of when I need somebody because wow. it can take sort of three to six months for them to be self-sufficient. Mm. It'll probably allows me to hire maybe some less experienced talent than maybe ordinarily a business might, but then I can mold mm. that talent as well. Um, but it's immensely rewarding and it's probably one of the things that gets me out of bed most is just the opportunity to work with people and help them realize their potential. Yeah. Uh, as long as they they have ambition and, and they don't mind being coached because that's not for everyone, um, yeah. then yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's what gives me the joy. That's brilliant, I love that. And I, just, I just wanted to touch on, you say about uh, almost admitting saying I'm a bit of a workaholic, and, but actually owning that and going, um, it's okay to, because I think if you, there's, there's an element of me sometimes that feels guilty about it, the amount of time you spend at work or the amount of, but when you do love it and it's your business and you enjoy it, like you think, oh, it's okay to realise in that, except like you said, living an authentic, true life to yourself, realising that's actually who I am and I, I'm okay with that. I think that's quite an important message. What, what's, what I've really taken out of it, which is something I'm trying to work on the most, is that uh, I know this becomes a little bit like therapy for me these 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 podcasts, which is great. But I think it's the, the being present in your uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And that's the most. So, is it when you do, do you find that you are you have been over the course of the last you know twelve years running the business that you you've been able to with the kids growing up, you've been able to have that where you can go. Well, I am going to be present in the moment. I am going to be. This doesn't come naturally. I no, would no. say. No. <laughs> Just, um, <clears throat> I think. I remember like a, a couple of jobs, well, two jobs before I started the business, I was working 60 hour weeks and the company mm. was just growing and growing and growing. And uh, I heard that they hired three people to replace me when I left and it was it was just mental. Uh, and I did love my, my what I was doing. I was a sales director. Um, uh, and then I went on to work for, for Sage and I was commuting to either Reading from Brighton or commuting up to Newcastle and then my what did it for me was she would have been eight or nine and she called me one day and she said she was crying and she said, mom, I never see you anymore because I've taken this role at Sage mm. and, and I broke my heart. Oh, and yeah, wow. and I was just glad in some ways that she was old enough to express how she felt. And maybe many kids don't do that yeah, because they don't sure. really know that they're missing something because before that I had been at home a lot more. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I realized something definitely needed to change. And Amazing. I think that's so important. Um, and you know what, probably one of my the biggest criticisms I'd make of myself today even is that I don't spend enough time on me. So I've probably learned to spend more time and I celebrate and enjoy spending time with my family. Um, but I need to probably sort of be stricter on myself to spend time on me. And um, we should never feel guilty about that. So. I rejoice when I meet people who, who are the gym bunnies or who mm -hmm. do things that really serve them well, because yeah. then you can serve other people better. But I think that's something I'm going to be working on more uh, mm. in the coming year to just make sure that I have that time for, for me as well. Self self care is is so uh, and again I I spoke to um, do you know Camille Pearson um, from the Float Spa. 
spoke to her she came on the podcast and we was talking about it and I was like um, and she was saying about it's important to have self care and look after because if you if you're looking after yourself it, that's the best you're you're going to be the best version of yourself for then when you are around with other people I think it was her that used the thing with the airline where you you know always put your own safety thing on first thing you can help others and 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 that was something that really resonated so it was but I still haven't been to because the, the thought of lying in a float spa and lying there and just, my brain just doesn't switch off that much I just was like I don't know but I've got experience I'm sure but do, 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 are you because you obviously did something you struggle with but do, is is there elements that you do like, for example you go away are you able to actually switch off from things do you do you feel that you can go well I can just yeah, I've got such an amazing team. I am yeah. phenomenally blessed. Yeah, amazing. Um, because I trust them that if they really wanted to ring the bell and go, hey, Carlene, um, they can call me 24 by 7. Yeah. Um, and it's that tr- it, you need a high degree of trust. But uh, yeah, sure. I definitely genuinely feel I can go away without my laptop. Um, and yeah. it took a long time for that to happen. Yeah, sure, uh, sure. But, yeah, I, I, I genuinely do. I just... In in many instances, many of them are better at anything that I could do. So uh, I don't feel it's a compromise. Um, so, but I, I think back to the point that I made earlier. I think that what my role is is to stay connected with the business, to join the dots, to make sure that if someone's moving the cheese, I spot that first, and uh, we don't lose our advantage in um, what we're doing, and that the team feel that I have their back no matter. Um, I have this expression which is ask for forgiveness not permission uh, which is probably strange advice to give your kids or your employees (laughs) but I I think it's really important um, to make sure your team are empowered and that they understand the why of what you're doing not just go and do this go and do that that's probably not very helpful um, because maybe the situation they find themselves in isn't what you might expect so it's really important that they understand why do you do what you do why do you uh, make the decisions that you do and and if the team around you can really understand that then it's almost like your your legacy lives on in them they yeah. can really understand that deep culture of um the why amazing brilliant, brilliant. We're, we're coming to just to, to towards the end so a couple of final qu- questions what um tell me what does the future hold for carleen jackson and nine Ooh, very exciting um well, immediately I'm working on my house project, so <laughs> I'm a highly um, creative person, so I get immense joy from anything creative. Yeah. Uh, no doubt once that's finished, I'll be looking for my next creative projects. But in, in the work environment, I'm very excited uh, to be working with one of our partners, Ingram Micro, who are sponsoring a cohort of students on a sales mini sales MBA that uh, myself mm. and my team are putting together. Um, I've spent most of my life in sales. I did IBM sales school and... Um, so combining what I've learned through my life and as a coach uh, in running my business and also uh, from my MBA to take all those skills and my love of marketing into this it's a six month course um, and to working with cohorts of um, people who are either new into sales or new into tech and taking them through that and, and launching that in September. So that's uh, wow. hugely wow. exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then. Uh, later on in the year, uh, we'll be kicking off our project. We're looking at setting up a, a platform, which is about uh, Cloud9 Connect, which is about connecting learners, it could be reskillers um, or early in career talent with um, employers who want to hire these these people to give them work experience and 
uh, also connecting them with all of the immense and amazing uh, learning material that's out there. Uh, but maybe they just don't know about it because they haven't got, I don't know, an uncle or a friend or somebody yeah, saying, yeah, sure. if you want to work in tech, there's a phenomenal shortage in, in the Microsoft community alone with the product alone that I work with, with Microsoft Dynamics. Uh, there's a, a massive shortage of, of talent in, th- in, the, in the thousands. Yeah. And the earning potential for young talent, we've had um, quite a few people who have had no degrees who are earning easily sort of 40, 50 and beyond salaries under the age of 25. Wow. So, like, if your kids don't know what to do, get them into, get them to call me. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I'll help them with their <laughs> earning potential. But it, they, I think that applies probably throughout tech. Um, yeah. And you don't have to work for a tech company to work in tech. It could be so many organizations now are becoming tech businesses too. But yeah, cool. it's a it's a really um, exciting place to be in. And, and so I want to be a part of creating that new talent uh, and you probably get a sense. I love working with people who are ambitious to, to get mm-hmm. on and learn. Uh, and if I can bring more entrepreneurs into the world uh, as well, I think that our economy could definitely um, do well out of that. Uh, and I, I'll be doing what I can to, to lobby the government to support entrepreneurs with helping them establish their businesses and getting more people into work and following their purpose. Wow. One amazing. Uh, look, you, you mentioned earlier about role models and certainly, like I say, listening to you, you talk and getting to know you, the amount you're doing for not only your staff but the young next generation of people and stuff is 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 really inspiring. You are one of them inspiring role models for for oh, so many. You. I'm sure it's, it's and it's been brilliant. They um, inspire me. They oh, are definitely what keeps me going. Yeah, I, I, I love that. It's just fan- Look, we're, we're gonna just a couple of little quick fire questions. So we've got last one. What what one piece of advice would you give to your 18 year old self? Anything is possible. <laughs> I think that um, often we have dreams in our heads that we bury away uh, and are in denial of. So, um, if I, uh, my advice would be, yeah, just anything is possible, and don't worry about how you're going to get there. Um, just have dreams. Surround yourself with pictures or um, things, visions of what what the future holds without any time frame necessarily um, and somehow or other you will if you believe in those dreams they will help you uh, find they will they will they will find the way for you to achieve yeah. them and every day um, I just feel a, a, an incredibly lucky fortunate person that, uh, that it's amazing how easily doors become visible to you but you first have to know what it is you want. But that doesn't have to be career. It could just be knowing that you want to make a difference in, I don't know, this world of climate change and sustainability, mm. or it could be that you want to be an amazing mom. It doesn't actually really matter. It's just having a vision of what you really want and, and being focused on that and making sure if you're in a, in a place where it's not serving that, that you take action because life's far too short. Brilliant. Brilliant answer. Thank you. Um, look, uh, we, we, we spoke a little bit offline just before we started and uh, we talked about Stephen Bartlett and Diver CEO. And I, as I mentioned, I have, as one of the inspirations for me starting this, I have taken something from his podcast, which is our tradition now we've got on here where my previous guest has asked a question and this is what she left for you. So um, do businesses have a part to play in tackling the climate and social injustices? 
we are facing as a global society and why. Oh my goodness. She must have known my daughter studying sustainability uh, at uni. <laughs> she, she might have had a word with her. Uh, I my my wonderful daughter um Sersha, she's uh studying sustainability and she she lives and breathes um sort of the importance that all of us need to to recognize that even the small things that we do can make a big difference. Mm. Um and it's okay that they might be small things. Uh and so I think that there's there's change like um things like B Corp um that employers can look at and I think for me that they hold um, they hold definitely some relevance for organisations who have ambition to, to make a difference because uh, sustainability and, and climate change are two um, very important things that we as business leaders need to, to think about because not everyone trusts governments and, mm. and their advice and if you look back at um, the sort of recent summit in Glasgow uh, it's, it seemed to me that the government seemed to be really struggling to come to agreements, whereas it seemed the businesses were more forward thinking about yes. what what should we actually do. And I personally believe that businesses uh, have a greater responsibility than even the government for uh, making sure we don't wait to be told what to do, uh, that we start to take action now. And one of my great disappointments is that we haven't as a society invested more in green energy um, because it's it's just so easy to see now uh, with what's happening in, in Russia and Ukraine, uh, sort of the impact on dependence on the sort of oils and gases that there are. It's just, this, is, this is crazy. It's uh, why are we not further ahead with renewable energy and green energy? And living in Brighton, it's so wonderful to see every day when you go down to the beachfront, the sort of the investments that have been made yeah, sure. for, for wind power. Um, so yeah, I think every every business needs to come together and, and support each other in what are the smaller or bigger things that we can do, but making sure that if there's anything that if you work in an area where what you do can innovate um, around uh, climate change and working towards uh, net zero, uh, that's really important. Um, but I think in the future, uh, and maybe even now that can become a competitive advantage as well. Mm. Um, so, but it's I think it's hugely important yeah. for businesses to do. I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kylie. Listen, like I say, it was great to obviously meet you briefly when we done the when done the photo shoot and got you involved. And I'm so excited to get you on today. So, th- and listen, thanks so much for. There's so many takeaways there. That, that culture, if there's you know, listeners out there listening and trying to get a better culture, I think, you know, you're flying the flag for what, what a good, strong company culture looks like. So, um, And if you I need th- to be inspired, I'd, I'd read Harvard. Subscribe to Harvard Business Review because it uh, it's full of HR and marketing ideas and um, it's, it's got some incredible thought leaders in there. So I definitely get a lot of inspiration from, from that as well. Brilliant. Listen, I can't wait to share this episode. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks and, for uh, having me. It's awesome. Been fantastic. Thank Lovely. you. And that is a wrap.